Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Woo! Welcome back to the Rile. Never mind, reset that. <laughs> Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. Nicholas Chase here. We have the 20. 20- 22 reigning champion of Oceanside 70.3 as our guest today normally a host co-host Jackson Landry hey I'm here <laughs> Laundry Landry so what's this podcast you do like I haven't heard about this uh so yeah this is just a podcast where we we invite random people on who have no significance to the sport uh, and we just ask them <laughs> Ask them questions about their opinion because it's okay, cool. But absolutely cool that this day has finally returned. Where man, like last year, you were getting ready for this race and you had no idea you were gonna take the W against obviously a stacked start list. North America kind of kicks off our triathlon season with 70.3 Oceanside. And Jackson, you certainly made us all. Really horny for uh, Jackson Laundry. <laughs> so, yeah, well, thank you. That's, that's my entire goal of my triathlon career. So we're we're gonna have a couple questions from our patrons who have submitted some. Uh, we, if you are, ever want to ask some of our guests ahead of time some questions, we do solicit our message board on our Patreon. So got a couple. Um, we'll get to those. However, Jackson, starting off this conversation. Um, and also, just a quick lead-in, we're going to also talk with Tamara Jewett and Nicole Falcaro, who are going to be racing Real Tri-Squad members as well. We're really looking to see Tamara do something amazing, having trained with her at uh, our camp this past two weeks. Super incredible athlete. So we'll get to that, and it's going to be a great part, so stick around. Jackson, first and foremost, let's talk about it, man. What What was last year like after you won that race? Did it kick you into another level of you know, another dimension of awesome or was it just like mundane? Well, um, it was definitely super, uh, unexpected, but like not like shocking to the, you know, nothing I did in that race was sort of like surprising, but just putting it all together and actually having it come together and result in a win is, you know, a lot easier said than done when you have, the caliber of competition there and um you just you know it's not that common like even if you have a good race it's not or like other races that i've done really well it's not that common to put together a really good swim bike and run um so that was sort of still to this day probably the only race really where i've put together like really good swim bike and run against a competitive field um, I've had other really good results, but never that complete. So, uh, I'm definitely looking to try to do it again, but yeah, it def- it's sort of just like increase my own, um, uh, horizons for like what I think is possible and like how I think I can be successful on the world stage as well. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the main, the main thing it did for me. It didn't really change my approach or like my expectations in any given race, but, um, it definitely just encouraged me to like, keep kind of doing what I'm doing. 
Yeah. Last year, I remember watching this race. I was running some errands and it was just unreal. I, I was like I'm in a meeting and I had like stopped the meeting so I could finish and watch what was happening. It was, it was a great like a unfolding of events for like the top five finishers. Absolutely amazing event. And it's it's there's a lot of action close. It was one of the first sprint finishes last year upon many. Um, obviously, that was a little overshadowing last year, Jackson, when Rudy Von Berg and Lionel Sanders came in number two and number three. Did it feel like that particular event overshadowed your victory? Uh, No, I don't think so. I mean, it's still exciting. Like you can't blame people for sort of, uh, you know, watching and, you know, replaying a sprint finish all a, a bunch of times when it was super close. And it was like a bit controversial too, because they didn't really have an official, um, you know, a photo finish. So it was kind of like speculation and, uh, I don't blame people at all for that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I still think I got a lot from that, honestly, uh, credit wise, there was, you know, athletic brewing is a sponsor, a big, big sponsor of that race. And that sort of put me on their radar. And now, now I'm partnered with them and it's been a great partnership. So just an example of one sort of, uh, direct impact from that result, but also just like, yeah, I was able to, I got some interest from podcasts. Like I was on, uh, how they train podcasts after that. And it, it, it definitely sort of like elevated my profile in the sport. So, yeah. um, not to mention like, you know, it's no secret that our primary source of sort of, um, self-promotion is for most athletes is, is Instagram. And I've gained like, you know, 3000 Instagram followers or something, which, you know, put, put me up by like 30%. So lots of things that, you know, helped accelerate my career. But the main thing was just my own self-belief that, yes, I am on the right path. I am, you know, doing the right things and I've got to just kind of keep going with it. That race also kind of puts you in what I would say the perfect storm for your abilities. And traditionally the swim is where a lot of like that caliber of athlete who you beat on the day would kind of get away in you'd have to work extra hard to get to them. Maybe that would have happened another 15 K into the bike ride versus probably the first, you know, however long, maybe first 30 minutes, you were right in the front group, you were going toe to toe. And it really put you in the mix because the swim at Oceanside, um, at least in my opinion, it's variable in terms of what can happen in the first 500 meters to really shake things up. Do you think that the ocean start and kind of the navigational hazards of the surf reduced a lot of that top tier swimmer um, impact on the race and allowed you to kind of create that contact where you were able to bridge on the bike. Is that kind of how it unfolded in your opinion? Yeah, I think um, that can go one of two ways. Um, it is a long run in and essentially the water doesn't get deep very quickly to, to explain it in layman's terms. So a lot of the time that you're in the water for the first 100, 150 meters, you're running and then it transitions into dolphin diving and then you're swimming, but you're trying to get through the surf. So you just need to be efficient at doing that. And that doesn't necessarily benefit the people who swim really fast because I can run just as fast as Ben Canute or, you know, or very similar at least to these top swimmers. Um, so when the first 200 meters is 150 meters of it is basically running. They're just, 
they're just not getting away. Right. So that definitely did benefit me, but it can also, it can also be bad if you're not used to that. So like when I first got to Oceanside, um, like I knew this was going to be a dynamic and the entire, the entirety of all my swimming while I was in Oceanside. And this is my plan for this year too, was everything I'm doing is an entry or an exit. Like it's pretty long to get through the surf. So I'm kind of running in, whether I'm doing it fast or not, I'm getting used to getting through the surf and then taking that first hundred or 200 meters, then I'm exiting and I'm doing it again. And I'm not necessarily always swimming at a hard effort, but I need to be very comfortable at doing that efficiently without spiking my heart rate way too high. And that just gave me a huge advantage. Like when I first arrived last year, I was very not confident. I was scared of the size of the waves. Like I hadn't done that very much. Like it was kind of a bit of a, a shock to the system, but after one or two swims doing that, then I gained a lot of confidence and I probably had more practice at it than anyone in the week of the race. And that was critical for me. So that's kind of the main focus again. And if I can take advantage of that, I'm swimming just as well as I was last year. I, I went through a rough patch in my swimming a few, you know, a couple months ago and I worked through that, made some form corrections. And now like my times in the pool are just as good as last year. Um, so I should be in a position to hopefully be able to kind of produce a similar swim outcome. Yeah. The, the field this year, since we're kind of getting a little bit of buzz kind of starting since it is race week, um, there's an article out from try47.com. I've kind of blended through there or uh, browsed through some of their um, just ideas on who's racing and who might show up. Most notably, dude, like this has been happening a little bit more often, but there's like 73 men that have put their name on that start list. Is How do you feel about that in terms of growth for this sport? Yeah, um, I don't recall how many there were last year, but I think it was like over 60. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it is bigger this year, but it was also big last year. It's... I really think that people are sort of taking a shot because there's more money in the sport now in terms of prize money, particularly with the what the PTO has done and come in and sort of put these big prize money races up as well as year-end bonuses. Um, so I think that's a little bit of a factor, but also just the, the pros sort of the mystique, I guess, of the pro side of the sport is a little bit more alluring now. There's better media around it. More people have like good YouTube channels and people are just more excited about it so you see a lot of this start list is people who it is their first pro race like probably this i'm just taking a guess but i'm guessing there's about a dozen or more guys who this is their very first pro race um so that you know that typically i wouldn't expect someone who's first pro race to be like in the mix to to you know beat me in the race if it's a good day for me but there's a lot of first time pros that maybe have a swim background and are good swimmers. They can shake up the race that way and just sort of change the dynamics. But in terms of the size of the start list, I, I see it more as an advantage for myself as someone who's sort of that on the bubble swimmer where there's just going to be more guys filling gaps. And if I were to get it, you know, if I were to miss the first group, there's probably a couple other guys around me who just missed it. And we can sort of work together to minimize that gap. And um, same on the bike, like, if I get on the bike in 20th place or 25th place, you just have that next guy to pass next guy. And you can kind of work your way through and it, it breaks it up and it sort of mentally makes it a little easier when you're not as isolated. So 
Um, I think it's an advantage for me and perhaps, you know, a bit potentially a bit of a disadvantage for some of the really good swimmers who like to try to get a big gap and the gaps just aren't going to be there as much. Yeah. I, I think that the swim gaps will be there for sure. And they're not going to be, as, they're not going to hold on again because looking at the projected start list, and this is just a start list who knows really who's coming. Obviously we know for sure. Lionel Sanders just pulled out of this particular event due to, I believe illness, I think. Um, yeah. And um, so Jackson, you'll be number one lining up with Jan Frino, number two. And then the, the other list of guys who you've gone toe to toe with year after year, Jason West, Sam Long, Mickey Taggle, who you two have a really good back and forth. I, I'm really excited to see how that goes. And I hope he shows up. Uh, ben Canute, a former winner, obviously. Um, Jan Ferdino, former winner. And Sam Appleton, he's kind of seeing a resurgence. We just saw him announce his new partnership with Cadex. And that I think it's Cadex, Cadex. He's got that cool new bike, whatever. Liferman. Bart Arnault, you two have raced together um, quite a bit. Andy Potts, Lar and Eric Lagerstrom, Luciano Tacone. And then you got like a, kind of some wild cards, maybe uh, Matt McElroy. Um, and then the kind of like the who's who fizzles out a little bit at that point. So you've got a depth of about 14 or 15 guys who could be the sharper point of this race just based on previous race statistics that we've all noticed so i think you've got you're going to be a good company and i think the the cycling firepower that you've been able to produce this year has been from what i've seen the feedback on zwift and the kind of things you've mentioned about the power output you've done even last year at the at the tail end of the season how has the cycling ability really transformed over the off season and like I, my projection is that you're going to be of the best cyclist out there how how are you feeling about that? Yeah. So um just to add to that kind of list of competitors, I think Leo Berger is, is oh, yes. a bit of, of probably if there's a wild card guy, that would be him because we haven't seen him do too many long course races. And uh obviously having been, I believe he won the grand final for uh, World Triathlon last year. Yeah. Which is, you know, if he's able to hang, he's obviously a great swimmer. If he's able to hang in on the bike, which is very plausible, um, he's a guy potentially could run 108, you know, type guy. Um, but yeah, in terms of the cycling, it's definitely last year generally sort of um, was a year for me to just take off with my cycling ability. I really was able to improve throughout the season. And towards the end of the year, I got very strong. Um, part of that was obviously you know just improvement in my training and my numbers but part of it was just a simple saddle position change that really saved my lower back um which had plagued me for years and i couldn't figure out the issue um so now i can essentially hold arrow without my lower back seizing up and preventing me from producing good power later in the race um so that made a huge difference but i'm definitely pushing better power than I ever have at this time of year. And I'm at least very similar to where I was at, at the very best of my last season, if not potentially a little bit better. So um, I am expecting to be able to ride very well. And, and my a plan is a hundred percent focus on the swim start, especially in getting myself into that group. If I'm not able to be in the lead group and I do have a gap coming out of the water, I also have confidence that I, 
you know, I can bridge up and I can get into that group. So, you know, I do, I, I won't, I'm not going to give up no matter what, but even if I have a really bad swim, there's some good bikers who will be, you know, a little bit further back, like Sam Long and uh, Bart Arnault and potentially Trevor Foley. Um, so there, there is going to be a strong chase group. And um, if, if I do kind of end up with those guys, uh, it's not a terrible spot to be either. So uh, yeah, I'm really feeling positive about it, but I'm just kind of like trying not to change my approach too much because what worked last year, it, it will probably work again. And there's no need to change too much from that and just sort of focus on what I can control and uh, not, you know, try to not try to think too much about like, Oh, I've won. So I better do things differently or I've got these expectations. Like that's kind of something you got to push to the back of the mind um, and just let your natural instincts kind of guide you through the race. Yeah. It's smart. I think also having Jan Ferdino come back for his, one of his major debuts back after injury, after challenge Roth last year, I think is incredibly cool to be able to like, you're probably going to be surrounded by a lot of media hype this year, maybe more than last time. I hope they still pre present you as such a strong contender for a contention for the win. I mean, in the run, obviously this, we just saw Jason West, absolutely smash clash um, Miami with, I don't know what his average was, but he was running near five minute pace per mile. I believe. I think it was under. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's, uh, it's astonishing um, what he's able to do on the run. Unreal runner. Um, Mickey Taggle, also incredible runner, Ben Canute, what he did at 70.3 world championship against Christian Blumenfeld running toe to toe on the Hills. The running pedigree, like there's a lot of complete athletes in this race, which is really where I think we're going to see. I would suspect we're going to see a group of you all sticking together for the majority of the race because you're all really similar. You're all going to be able to handle yourselves on the bike. It'll come down to pacing on when you start making your moves on that run, because ultimately that's what broke you to the front last year is that you had Alistair driving that train really hard and he may have overdone it as we saw. And then Ben obviously did the same thing. So I think tactically you've always been in a great position to be smart and play your cards and kind of when you feel like everybody else is running a little bluff. Yeah. I think the tactics come in for sure when you've got, you know, like you said, a lot of great runners and, and I, I haven't even mentioned Jan, um, it sort of goes without saying that you expect him to be at the front of the race the entire time. Um, and if you beat him, it's gotta be, you know, it's not going to be easy. Um, but these sort of interesting things happen because a lot of these people who, you know, let's say Ben canoe, for example, who is a very complete athlete, he absolutely is. But he also knows that if he gets off the bike with Jason West, his odds of beating Jason West on the run, aren't that high. And I would, I would say the same for myself. So you also have this incentive for these guys who are really good swim bikers to push on the bike. And that there may be a scenario where that makes sense for me as well. I, you know, I don't want to see a Matt Mack or like even a Leo Berger, like you want to drop as many guys as you can. Um, that's just numbers. Like even if there's 10 guys in that group and you think they're all the similar runner, if you can get it down to five, your chance of winning just doubled. Um, so that's something I think we're going to see. I think, people don't want Jason West in that group. They don't want Matt McElroy there. They don't want Leo Berger there. And um, 
that's probably going to come into play because those guys are all very good swimmers and almost certainly are going to be at, in contact, at least at the beginning of the bike. So um, that's definitely something that I'll be thinking about if that arises. But ultimately, my main goal is I need to focus on getting myself in there before I can think about trying to rid the group of anybody. So it could be that I have to bridge up and it's a huge effort and it, you know, and then it doesn't make sense to go to the front, especially if you have to pass a whole group or different things like that. So one of our patrons, Will Dennis has uh, requested a couple questions from you and I'll just kind of fire them off and you can kind of just, you don't have to expand too much on it, but is, is Jan, Will asks, is Jan too old? I mean, Jan's he too. Yeah, he's a couple years into his forties, or is he forty-one? I can't remember. Um, forty-two. I think he's at least forty-one. He he might be forty-two. Uh, it's forty-one. A question. It's a question for him, but um, I do think that what we, you know, what we've typically seen with athletes as they get over forty is that they are capable of producing a performance that you know is maybe very similar to their very best in their career. Um, but we don't typically see people performing at that high level all through the year. It seems like they can peak, but they maybe can't quite hold that level for as long. So what I'm curious about is, you know, how fit is he? Like he's got to be targeting the European open. He's, he's facing off against the Norwegians. I'm guessing that is like his, his big target for the first half of the year. So is he a guy who comes to Oceanside at 99% of that fitness or does he show up at 95% of that and really build his fitness in those last five weeks after Oceanside? So I don't really, I don't know the answer to that, but I would think, you know, odds would have it that he probably wouldn't perform as well as he has at his very best 70.3s ever, which his best one was probably 70.3 worlds in 2018. I, yeah, I don't think we'll see quite that level. Um, and that was like a 106 run off the bike. But I wouldn't be surprised if we still see like well under a 110 and a very complete uh, swim bike for performance, which is going to be very difficult to beat. So um, I think we're going to see. I don't think he's too old. We'll see a 108 out of Jan. I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. The guy's, you know, he knows how to get it done. And we're going to see probably a 106 seven out of jason west maybe 107 high yeah and you'll be right there within that freaking two to three minute window i guarantee it yeah i've uh looking at my training i'm in the race pace specific type workouts it does seem that i am a couple seconds faster than last year so i do think i can go 109 or better um which is what it would take and it would also take an excellent swim and bike being in the right spot and running under a one Oh nine to win, I believe. So yeah, I think I, I think I'm capable of it. Uh, it's just a matter of actually making it happen. Okay. So next question, just quickly, um, top three favorites for Oceanside of men's and women's based on kind of what we've already talked about. Who do you think people are really expecting to come out of this? Well, um, I got to back myself here. I mean, yeah. I, uh, I have a, like another thing I have a course record. So obviously conditions change course maybe has changed slightly over the years, but um, the conditions is a thing that really seems to suit me. I love the cold conditions. It's expected to be roughly 11 Celsius. It's the average temperature for that time of year in the morning. Um, 
So, you know, whatever that is, 50 or 53 or something, uh, those conditions suit me very well. So uh, I think I have as good a chance as anyone, but I think if you were to pick a couple other guys and just history on the course, y- you probably would pick Jan and, and Ben Canute, I would think. Um, you know, Sam Long, I don't know if he's raced Oceanside much. Uh, he's obviously a huge threat. Um as this field gets deeper and that front group gets more and more strong, it is more and more difficult for a guy like Sam Long to bridge up and compete for the win. So, um, yeah, I would say Jan and Ben, and then another person outside myself, you probably Jason West, like if he's able to, you know, his biking is improving. If he's able to stay with that group, then you can't really bet against him. The guy can run one Oh seven. So. Okay. Good answers. And then just to briefly run through some of the women's, um, start list, Chelsea Sodaro, Holly Lawrence, Jackie Herring, Paula Finlay, Grace Theck, Kat Matthews, Tamara Jewett. Oh, yeah. Sophie Watts, Danielle Lewis, Melanie McQuaid, Maja Stage Nelson. And I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who I would see really making a big upset. Um, there's, there's Nicole Falcaro. We got to mention our girl. Yeah, I was getting down there. Nicole Falcaro's on there. I was actually saying um, the, the women's start list looks about half of the men's start list for this particular. Yeah, I think I think it's actually more like a third this time. I think it's like 24. Yeah, it's um, interesting. But you've got a really strong high end like Chelsea Sedaro, Harley Lawrence, Jackie Herring, Paula Finley, Pat Matthews, comeback race, Tamara Jewett. Um, this is the first time racing Oceanside. Yeah, she's like the comeback story of the women's side for sure. Really would be great to see her have a good day and sort of, you know, after what she's been through. Um, but yeah, uh, last year we saw um, Taylor Nib win yeah. pretty dominantly. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I think I think Paula Finley last year was a bit off form, didn't quite have the day she wanted. So it'll and. We'll see. Maybe maybe she's uh in early season form and just not quite fit yet, and maybe that's why she didn't have a great race last year. But uh, if she's able to come back and kind of be on the fitness she was last year for the rest of the year, then she could easily win. Tamara, if she's able to really stay in, in pretty good contact like her run, she could run her way to the win from five minutes back. So yeah. um, we got to, you know, potentially. But Holly Lawrence has the most podiums, I think of anyone there uh for oceanside so uh it's gonna be exciting i think you're gonna have that pack lead pack type thing like you would in the men's with you know sedero lawrence um probably finley cap matthews and maybe a couple others and it'll be interesting to see does that group stick together sometimes in the women's race they tend to sort of pace themselves and not always stick together if it's a bit of a smaller group so we'll see and and I think if Paula is on her bike is kind of a bit uh, just that notch above and she might be able to get away. So um, I think she's going to be probably the one to the one to beat, but Chelsea Sedaro won Kona. Like she could easily, she could easily take the win here. And so could a few others. So um, I guess we got to pick a top three. I'm going to go Paula and definitely Tamara. Chelsea and I think our girl Tamara is going to get in the top three as well with a really good day. So, I mean, you've been training with her. She she must be in good shape based yeah. on the. We'll hear from her obviously very shortly. 
I can tell you for sure her swim has come a long way. She's definitely way faster in the water. Um, climbing with her on the bike, she just is like a little tumbleweed going up the hill. She's she's gotten her bike to a level I think. She's always kind of had to come from a large deficit on the bike, sometimes up to nine minutes, and she'll run that back um, and sometimes win off that. I think that deficit is going to come down significantly. Maybe we'll see her only four to five minutes down, like you said, maybe even less. I mean, we'll, I can't really tell you. I haven't seen her ride against the best in the, the world yet. We'll see that real quick, but that's a great prediction. I think those are some great names to be up there. Um, that kind of does the round out Will's questions. He put a bunch more on there. I'd say some of the other ones we can handle in later episodes. Um, they're, do you know if they're running Race Ranger at this particular race? Not here. I believe they've just been sort of piloting it in like Oceana. Okay. Um, I wasn't races. sure if, if they were rolled that out in the U.S. Yeah, it'd be the race to do it, of course. Um, we'll, we'll I would love whole, to see it. We'll have I a whole episode on that. Um, we're going to have Race Ranger come back on in a couple weeks and talk about the progress, what we can expect for rolling it out and, this the innovation so that's good and what shoes are you going to go with what what carbon <laughs> shoes are you going to run um i think i'm going to run the alpha fly twos okay. um so i've got a brand new pair of them coming in which i think the girls are gonna bring for me to oceanside so yeah i saw them um, person. I, I kissed them so I think I'll run in my other pair, my older pair that I have here for my run tomorrow just to get used to them again and then probably go with those unless unless the next percent threes come out in time and I can get them sent to the hotel <laughs> and I try them out, see if I like them. We'll see. But I'll be racing either in the alpha, probably the alpha fly twos because the next percent threes have been like supposed to be released a month ago and they're just not. So, yeah, but I'll probably run those for St. George for sure because they're uh I've always really liked the next percent a little bit more, um, just how it feels. And so you mean uh, the vapor fly versus the alpha fly? Yeah. The alpha, I guess the vapor fly next percent versus the alpha fly. Yes. Next percent. I don't even know if that one has an X percent in it, but either well, way. Yeah. The alpha fly has got kind of a separate toe heel. And then the vapor fly is like all one lighter unit. I feel like. Yeah. Then the vapor fly is quite a bit lighter. Um, but it doesn't have as much energy return. So it seems to like it, the like tests of how much return you get are better for the alpha fly. And I have run really well in them. I ran at them at, in them at uh 70.3 worlds and had a really solid run. So um, I think the difference is probably negligible uh, in between those two, but I've heard rumors that the next percent, the alpha, the vapor fly next percent three is like, a very good improvement and it's it seems like it has it feels like it has as much return as the alpha fly but it's way lighter okay. um so that would be kind of the holy grail if you can get your it'll be your... it'll be way lighter just as pretty much just as fast a little bit more expensive and it'll last only two races yeah two races <laughs> and you're screwed so anyways but no it's gonna be fun we're doing the uh Similar thing as last year. I'm staying with Lauren and Ben is going to bring an air mattress through the floor. So it'll be three of us in one hotel room and just slumming it. So it's uh last year we stayed in motel six and Ben, Ben dubbed the victory, the motel six miracle. So, okay. So you go back this year we're in a super eight. So I think it's a pretty, <laughs> pretty similar situation. Oh gosh. Yeah. And I've, 
I think I know what Super 8 you're talking about. I saw it when I was there in Oceanside a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, I think I may even stayed there once. There was like a donut shop right next to it. So you might be lucky. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I don't even have to go grocery shopping, just donuts all week. Well, Jack, I think that pretty much covers your tactics, how you're feeling, anything that you've really done is, you know, it's why change what has worked. And I think that's a great footprint to go off of. The tactics we all have go out the fucking window anyways when shit hits a fan and we're all just surviving out there so you just gotta <laughs> you gotta hope your race brain is gonna take you to the the victory and you don't have to race from the front in this race a lot of guys are gonna do that for you and i think tactically bringing or capitalizing on their weak moments is where you're gonna be good yeah that's a that's a hope and really like once i've mentally rehearsed the race in terms of like okay this is how you do the swim start this is your transition zone this is what you're thinking about on the bike this is the course all those things once i've got those locked in like it's just like re it's almost just like um automatic when you're in the race you know what to do and then you can kind of focus the main attention pre-race on like getting in the zone for that freaking swim because it's so important it, it is so important you could put my results on a graph and rank them from like one to 10 each year. And pretty much there'd be a very strong correlation between how well I swam and how well the race went. Yeah. Um. So that's just, you know, that's the nature of the game and I'm trying to keep getting better on the swim so I can more frequently be at the front, but it's kind of up and down. So, well, if, we'll go to Jack's Jack's YouTube channel. You can see how he's kind of improved his swim from his super league perform or super league arena games performance in Montreal weeks back he'll talk about that and then also check out jackson's youtube channel for his oceanside prep video which is probably going to be is it already out yeah that one's out already um but yeah go have a look it just dives into a little bit of how i've been training what my training weeks look like a little bit and how my sort of magic formula for just getting in shape for this kind of a race so and and i do a lot of speculating on that you'll hear a few of the same things we talked about here but it's a it's a good one and check out uh, Real Tri Triathlon Squad YouTube channel. We're going to be doing my end of the month kind of chasing top 50 episode, which is going to also do a deep dive into the training camp we just did here in Henderson, Nevada with about six of us. Tamara was there, Nicole, Garrick, myself, um, Rachel Mensch, who came out as one of our developmental athletes, and Mark Dubrick came out for a few days. So it was a lovely event. So check out those channels, share, like, subscribe and send it to all your family members and tell them to do the same thing and uh that's about it and tell them if they're together and they want to watch it that they each have to watch it on their own device so that we get the extra views yeah you should log into your macbook your chromebook your tablet your phone, phone TV. youtube tv and you should watch it on all 10 of your devices <laughs> to maximize the algorithm your kids and everything yeah um, but Okay, well, any final nuggets, dude? Uh, no, man. Just yeah, watch the race. It'll be on outside TV, and um, still, I'm gonna still try good. to get a recap video out really quickly after the race, no matter how it goes. Try to see if I can course some of the videographers into giving me some love <laughs> down there, and they will still ride. <laughs> they're all good. Still gonna be on Ventum. Yeah, I'm still riding the Ventum. I got uh got the bike all set up everything's beauty so i'm stoked man i'm leaving wednesday and i just 
I love going back to a race where you've done well and you just have good vibes and you just, and you're tapered and you're so like giddy and ready to go. And you're just chomping at the bit. That's what it's all about. Hell yeah. All right, bud. Well, we're going to be watching, learning, rooting, and thanks for checking in and obviously stick around. We're going to talk to Tamara and Nicole about their preparation in their race right now. I got ish to do, flying through the sky in my parachute, dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise on a one-man mission trying to see it through.